Well, if you have your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of John in chapter 10. John chapter 10, as you go there, I want you to think about these questions as you turn there. Uh, Why do people, here's a question, why do people oppose the truth of the gospel? It seems so plain. If you believe the truth of the gospel, it seems so clear. Why wouldn't everyone believe it? Why do people oppose the truth of the gospel? And here's another. How are you to feel? (laughs) Or... What are you to think when you point someone to the truth of the gospel and you're rejected? We see answers to those questions and more in the text before us this morning. So follow along with me in your Bible as I read John chapter 10, beginning at verse 19, and I'll read through verse 30. Follow along in your copy of God's Word. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. John chapter 10, verse 19. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And verse 22, At that time the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple, in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So where do you put your hope? How are you to think when you're pressed or when you're opposed or when you're rejected or when you're despised for living for Christ, choosing to believe in God's word and choosing to share the gospel with someone because you care about them? and their eternal destiny. You ever find yourself discouraged when you share the gospel with someone and they resist you? You're not alone if that happens to you. You're not alone if you're resisted, if you're rejected for sharing the truth of the gospel. In fact, you're in very good company. And you see it here in the text, don't you? Jesus also was resisted. Jesus was rejected. Even accused of being, you heard it, a demon-possessed person. Even insane. But we need to understand, and I think you understand this, but let me make it plain 
The problem was not with Jesus. The problem was not with Jesus. The problem was in those people who opposed him. We see it in verses 19 through 21, and I want you to look at those again. The people are divided once again over Jesus' words, what he is preaching to them, what he is teaching them. Verse 19 says, There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. The words that Jesus spoke about himself. Verse 20 says, Many of them said, He has a demon, he's insane. Reject that man is the idea. He's insane. Why listen to him? Verse 21, others said, well, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? They're, they're looking at the evidence. What? He, can't be, he can't be demon oppressed or demon possessed. So there's division. There's confusion. There's disagreement. This was not unusual. And we should not be surprised when people oppose the truths of Scripture. Even Jesus, God in human flesh, faced opposition. And where there are hearts hardened by sin, that will always be so. Romans 8, 7, in fact, makes that truth plain, saying, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. That's not an isolated truth in the scriptures either. This is also the same truth taught in 1 Corinthians 2.14. Why do people reject the truth? 1 Corinthians 2.14 says the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. What's a natural person here? The natural person is an unbeliever. That's, it's a person who doesn't have the Spirit of God dwelling in them, working in them to help them understand the truth, to bring the truth to their eyes, to see who Jesus is and believe in Him, and then to take steps of obedience in Christ. And so 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, the natural person, the unbeliever without the Spirit of God, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Because he does not have the Spirit of God working in him, for they are folly to him, it says, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The trouble with some blind hearts is that no amount of evidence will convince them. Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you've labored to help them see maybe that unbeliever in your life. Maybe it's a family member, a coworker, a neighbor, someone you care about. who You're, you're deeply concerned about their eternal destiny and you're trying to point them to Christ with the truth of the scriptures and you keep bringing evidence to them and keep bringing evidence they're they're like no no not for me not for me that's fine for you not for me i don't believe it the trouble with some blind hearts is that no amount of evidence will convince them and it wasn't as if jesus was hiding from these people the truth about himself he points to this i've been showing you i've been telling you you've got enough evidence 
to see who I am, to trust in me, to believe in me. He gave them plenty of evidence. That's what Jesus is pointing to in the exchange that we see here in verses 22 through 25. Look, look at it again with me. Verse 22, at that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. But look at what Jesus says. Verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you. And you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. If you think back to the first few verses we read, no, I'm not demon-possessed. No, I'm, I'm not a madman. I'm not insane. Look at the works. If you don't believe the words, look at the works. There had been plenty of evidence for them to know who Jesus is. John even says later in John 20 in verses 30 and 31, and of course, I've shared this passage many times in our studies here in the Gospel of John, that Jesus did many other signs. Many other signs, which he had not written about in this book. John the Apostle says, I didn't write about everything he did. He did many other signs. But even the things he does tell us about, even what John the Apostle does write about in, in John's Gospel, ought to be enough for us to see who Jesus is and believe. For those people, even if, that's, even if that's all they saw or heard, it should have been enough for them to see who Jesus was and believe in him. What has been written in God's word is, in fact, written so that you may believe. That's, that's John 20 and verse 31. That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing... You may have life, life, life now, and eternal life, forgiveness of sins, with your eternal destiny secure in Christ. There's plenty of evidence, plenty of evidence available for people to believe and have faith in Jesus. So if you're seeking to make Christ known to the people around you, you ought not be discouraged. I know it's hard not to be discouraged, but you ought not be discouraged. When people resist you because you're sharing the truth of the gospel with them, don't be discouraged. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ. Since in truth, they're not actually, it may feel like it, but they're not actually opposing you. Oh, it feels so personal, doesn't it? They're not necessarily opposing you as much as they oppose the message of Jesus Christ crucified for sinners. We can get this wrong. I'll classify that and say it's possible for us to actually be obnoxious with the gospel and mean-spirited with the truth. And you might get rejected and it might be you. We've got to be gracious with the gospel. It's not that we don't tell the truth. 
If you're going to be rejected, be rejected for being truthful and gracious with the gospel, helping people see their need for a Savior. Don't be the church who stands out on the corner with signs that says God hates you. That's not biblical that we would be that way. But if you're graciously, lovingly coming alongside someone, and this best happens when you're getting connected with someone, someone who you're connected with in your life, whom, whether you're neighbors with them or coworkers or family member, this works best when, when they know you, they see your imperfections, they see you seeking to be like Christ, even though you're imperfect, and you share the gospel with them, May it be true that they're pushing back because you're telling them the truth and they're refusing to hear it. It's not you they're pushing back against. It's, it's Jesus Christ. You may face pushback from family, from dear friends, maybe co-workers you've spent years working with as you seek to live and speak for Christ. Resistance to the gospel may cause you great heartache, Yes. In fact, I can't speak about that without thinking about people that I grieve over in my own life, whom I, I long to know Christ. And they won't hear the truth. And I grieve for them. And yet, my hope is in Christ, so, so I can actually sleep at night knowing that God is at work and he is in control. And if they're rejecting the gospel, they're not rejecting me so much as they're rejecting my Savior. It still hurts, doesn't it? Resistance to the gospel may cause you great heartache and make life with those you wish to trust in Christ very difficult. But take to heart the fact that they rejected your Savior also. In fact, Eventually, they would crucify your Savior. But take to heart and be encouraged as you face those trials for the cause of Christ. Be encouraged. Don't lose heart. Remind yourself of the wonderful news of the gospel that you proclaim. We sing that hymn, It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small you think of that ever? You find yourself in a difficulty, a hardship, a trial now? Remember that one day you'll look back and go, that was nothing. It feels like a lot now, doesn't it? But one day you'll say, that was nothing for the cause of Christ. It was worth it all. It will be worth it all when we see Christ. People whose hearts are darkened by sin... They resist Jesus. And still today, people will resist the gospel message of Jesus Christ. When it's faithfully shared with them, they continue to push back and resist the gospel. You keep looking to Jesus. You keep looking to Christ. And even as I say those words, I need to hear them myself. 
I so appreciate Spurgeon. If you were in the, in the Tom's Sunday School class this morning, you heard a couple of Spurgeon quotes. It's hard to preach a message without quoting Spurgeon. They call him the Prince of Preachers. He said, Is it not a very glorious fact that our interest in our God is not destroyed by all our trials and sorrows. We may lose our gourds, but not our God. You've got to love it. Is it tempting to be discouraged? When the gospel is rejected, it certainly is tempting, isn't it? Is it tempting to take it personally? It is. But if you are humbly living for Jesus Christ, and if you are humbly sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others, don't blame yourself when the gospel is rejected. Don't be surprised when there's pushback against the message of Christ. It's Him they're resisting. Praise God that you're numbered with Him. It's not you, it's the truth of Christ and Him crucified. It's the gospel that will stir and reveal the heart of an unrepentant sinner. So keep praying for that sinner. Keep living for Christ. Seek to be a godly example. Look for opportunities to share the gospel and point them to the truth. While you do that, keep looking to Jesus. Keep trusting in Christ yourself. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep looking to Him. Remind yourself not to be discouraged. I will not lose my gourd. <laughs> I might lose my gourd, but I'll never lose my God, as Spurgeon said, right? Keep making Christ known with your life. Keep telling others of your hope found in Jesus. Of all people, we should be the most hope-filled. Believers in Jesus Christ should be the most courageous with our lives in this world because we are, as we heard at the Lord's Supper, we are kept by Christ. We'll hear it again as we get near the end of our passage in a moment. Keep tell telling others about your hope found in Jesus. He is the only hope for sinners. Why do I, why do you, why do I keep having to hear about Jesus? Well, he's, he's the only hope I have, you, you could say. It's true. And I want you to know the good news. Note here in the text that Jesus even tells us why we face opposition to the gospel. And sadly, many will never believe the truth. For those who aren't a part of Jesus' flock, all the overwhelming evidence in the world won't be enough. Look again at verse 26, and look at what Jesus said to these false teachers. Again, we're thinking back to the false teachers that he was speaking to. And then these Jews who accosted him and challenged him. Verse 26, But you do not believe because you are not a part of my flock. You are not a part of my flock, says Jesus. That's why you don't, don't believe. Some people will never believe. But what are you to do? Give up? No. 
You're to keep living for God's glory and keep sharing the gospel and keep seeking to live in obedience to God's word, no matter what those around you do, because because Jesus has his sheep. He was speaking to some who were not of his flock. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're, you're numbered among his sheep. And that's verse 27. Look at it again. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. What wonderful news. What a sweet and powerful truth in that simple verse, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. If you are given to the Son by the Father, you are numbered among Jesus' sheep. You are numbered among the people who are His. And note that those who are His know Him. Why? Because when they hear his voice, they follow him. They they give evidence that they know him. Why? How? Because they follow him. Even more important here and encouraging is the fact that Jesus knows his sheep. If you're one of Jesus' sheep, you know him. And if you know him, you follow him. But even more important is that he knows you. Jesus knows his sheep. So why Why is this an important and rich truth? Well, people who are Christ's, those who are Jesus' sheep, they belong to Jesus. Jesus' sheep are his treasured possession. Think of that. If you're numbered among the flock of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are one of his treasured possessions. Why do I say that? I say that because of what we celebrated at the Lord's Supper. Because Jesus Christ gave his life, if you are one of his sheep, he gave his life for you on the cross. J.C. Ryle, another great preacher of old time. J.C. Ryle explains the richness of this truth when he writes of Jesus' sheep that they are his by gift from the Father. His by purchase, His by calling and choice, and His by their own consent and heart submission. In the highest sense, they are Christ's property. And just as a man feels a special interest in that which he has bought at a great price and made his own, so does the Lord Jesus feel a peculiar interest in His people. And that peculiar interest, or we might, you probably don't use that kind of language, do you? We might say a very special interest or very special attention. We see made plain here in verse 28 and the power of Christ's very special interest. It's also made plain here. Verse 28, look at it. I give them eternal life. That's special attention. From the Savior, I give them eternal life. 
and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. You see, people given to the Son by the Father are given the gift of eternal life. Did you have to earn it? No. It wouldn't be a gift then, would it be? And that means that though you may face physical death here on earth, you have a heavenly home. You have an eternal home. And Jesus will keep you for all of eternity. And just in case you think you might be able to lose your salvation, which is not true, Jesus clears, clears that up for us if you think that. When he tells you there in verse 28, no one will snatch them out of my hand. Well, how can you know you're kept by Christ? Verses 29 and 30, clear it up. Look at verse 29, look at your Bible. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And then this short verse, verse 30, I and the Father are one. For all people who are part of Jesus' flock, they are found. They are called. And they are kept by Jesus. You aren't hanging on to him. He's hanging on to you. He's got a grip on you. And his grip will never fail. He's keeping you as his treasured possession. If you've placed your trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then you aren't holding his hand. And you might think of him as holding your hand, but I, but I rather think he's holding your life. He's holding you. And even though you're often weak, as I am, he is never weak. Jesus never fails. Jesus Christ will never lose one of his own whom the Father has given him. If you are Christ's, it's because the Father has given you to the Son and Jesus has made you his own by his sacrifice at Calvary. And he keeps you. And he proves that he's able to keep you because he conquers the grave on the third day, doesn't he? He rose from the dead on the third day and he lives now, and here's another wonderful truth. Not only does he keep you, he gives to you. He is a keeping God. He is a giving God. Jesus, God in human flesh, came and suffered a cruel death on the cross and rose from the dead on the third day, proving that he could keep you for, for all of eternity. But he also gives to you. What does Jesus give you? As one of Jesus' sheep, one of Jesus' people, you are given eternal life. Again, it's a free gift of God so that no one can boast, so that no one can claim, I've earned that. 
It's impossible to earn, says Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Your life is a free gift. Your eternal life in Christ is a free gift because he forgives your sin when you trust in him. You are pardoned from your sins, which are too numerous to count. And you have been given the righteousness of Christ so that you are cleansed and made acceptable to the Father. And then it follows that if he loves you enough to give you eternal life, then he certainly cares enough for you to care for you now and to help you with your present needs. So that though Jesus not be with you in the flesh, he is with you in the spirit. And he has given you his word and he has given you the church by which you have brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for you and encourage you. And it's through Jesus you are now showered with God's grace, mercy, and peace. The Bible says this in 2 John 1 and verse 3, Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. Do you want grace and mercy and peace? Stop trying to get it in your own wisdom and strength. Look at Jesus. Look to him every day. Look to his word. Turn to him in prayer. Spend time with your brothers and sisters in Christ in God's church of which you are a part if you are his. Grace and mercy and peace will be with you from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. Such wonderful truths we see here. Such powerful truths from God's word. But maybe this morning you are one who has not believed in Jesus. It's possible you're one. Maybe even who you would say, I, I want to know if Jesus is calling me by name. Is he calling me to trust in him? Well, to that I would say, if that describes you, I suggest you listen to him calling you from his word. Listen to the words of scripture today and hear Jesus calling to you to put your trust and faith in him. If that describes you, I suggest you listen to him calling to you from his word and believe in Jesus Christ. He calls to you from his word today. Wait no longer to come to him. Turn to Jesus Christ in faith today. You know, you can do that right where you are. If you don't know Christ and you want to put your faith in him, you can do it right where you are in the quietness of your own heart, praying to God, thanking him for Jesus Christ, Believing in Jesus Christ, confessing that you're a sinner in need of saving, and he saves you. He gives you new life, eternal life. And then he moves in by way of his spirit and takes up residence in you, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, who will then help you take the word of God to heart and start living for him and for his glory. Maybe you're, maybe you're a believer in Jesus. I hope that's true of you. You would say, I'm a believer in Jesus. I'm a follower of Christ. And if you are among those who have trusted in Jesus Christ for all these precious truths that we've seen today, this, these wonderful gifts that are ours, 
If so, then I say to you, never take your eyes off Jesus Christ. Keep your hope in Him because you are kept by Him. And you are given the precious gift of forgiveness of sins, which means eternal life. Salvation from those sins means eternal life. And won't that be the day when we see Christ face to face? The gift of eternal life began the day that you accepted Christ. And Jesus moved in to take up residence in you by way of his spirit, to encourage you and challenge you with his word, to strengthen you with his word, to correct your thinking with his word, so that you might be able to live each day with your eyes fixed on him, one step at a time, moment by moment, day by day, with your faith growing in Christ.